0: Good morning. It's good to look out into all your faces. You braved the smoke and you came, so praise God. And thank God that we can sing praises. He is worthy of our praise. Amen? You know, I was given the subject, uh, the topic, these two Sundays to talk about adversity and suffering. And... Uh, You say, well, that's interesting, Neil, you've been kind of preaching from the book of Philippians where it talks a great deal about joy and rejoicing. Doesn't that give you a problem? I say, well, I don't know, but uh, that's what I'm doing. And so um, without apology, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, and we will read just a bit. We will read perhaps half of two, but all of one, which is small, and uh, alert you to, if you could track how he's developing his thought. Now, just putting it out there, just kind of obviously, we're talking about adversity and difficulty, this letter was written from prison, most likely in Rome. I don't think it is like our prisons, and um, the Philippians, of course, lived quite a ways away. And this is their evangelist, their apostle, who's there, and so it might, it's a very appropriate uh, letter, of hundred and four verses long, I think, and can be read very easily in fourteen minutes. And so he, writing this in prison, probably cold, and he is kind of he's kind of doing what we are talking about here. He's saying, what does a Christian do in the midst of a very difficult time? He doesn't even know whether he would be executed or not, which becomes clear from the text. But <clears throat> we're gonna read this together and then we gonna look at some things that will help us because if there's anything here I want to emphasize this morning is that uh, the Bible's not silent on this subject it doesn't say health and wealth if you become a Christian all your problems will go away or if you have any problems you'll solve them by 2.30 in the afternoon. The Bible actually does not say that and I want us to see where's the help that God gives us in living our life here in Post Falls. We're not in Philippi, we're in Post Falls, but they both start with Pete, kind of. So if you are able and so, and if you so desire, please stand for the reading of God's word. And I would like to lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence with glad hearts this morning that we are called by your name, Lord Jesus. We are given so much uh, from your generous and overwhelming grace. And we are aware, Lord, that we're needy. We are very distracted often in this world, Lord, and we want to hear your voice. We want to be your people in a way that brings you honor and glory. And we ask, Lord, that you would illuminate what's on the page here in front of us so that we are instructed and that we're glad for it and we're encouraged and we're enabled to, to walk and newness of life. And we ask all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, your Son, seated at your right hand, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Hear the word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day now and I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent And so will be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense, or in truth Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice yes and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I am to live on in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, and so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling. Or complaining and questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Amen? Amen. All right, you may be seated. It would be a great understatement to, to say that we are in kind of rich gospel ore here. We, this is very compressed. There is so many things that can be said about these few verses. But I want to focus on more one thing here. What I want to focus on, sometimes it's hard to notice a little bit. It goes by kind of quickly. And obviously, you can see that Paul is very, very much permeated and excited about who Christ is and what he's done. He mentions the word, the gospel, a number of times. It seems like his whole life is about that Christ is proclaimed, The gospel is really good news for this sad, sad world. In other words, I think Paul was very aware, even though he's in prison and kind of can't get around much, he was very, he's very aware that there is a uh, calling on his life. He's a man on a mission. He gets that. He realizes the world needs rescue, that there's no, no other solution other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So everything about him, you might say, he is 100% into this. And so you say, he's in prison, but look what he's doing. He's writing a letter of encouragement to a bunch of people he had a hand in, sharing the gospel with, who have become Christians. And he realizes some of the dangers and some of the threats that are there. He's spending his time not cry babying about what he's in prison. He's spending his time because he's concerned about them. And what I see in this letter is, uh, and if I were gonna say this in one phrase, it would be mission. In other words, what we are in Christ as the people of God, we are people on a mission because Christ is on mission. And I would say he is totally aware Admission mission is a team effort. You'd say, I didn't hear that in there. Didn't you? Uh So I want to point out a couple of places here that'll help us, that might be valuable in in whatever you're facing. You could say, you know, come on, give us a break. He was an apostle, he was an itinerant missionary, went on all these journeys, got thrown in prison, so last week we talked a lot about the things that Paul experienced because he was an itinerant evangelist with the gospel in a world that largely hates God and hates Christ and hates the gospel. And there were certain things that happened to him that you might say weren't just received by Paul as, well, that's the occupational hazard of being an itinerant missionary. And there was a long list. Do you remember that? In this section, it's slightly different. It's a little more nuanced, and maybe we can relate to that one. We can relate to the other message as well. But this one, I think all of us can really connect with this. Because what it's saying here is that for the people of God, there is a grace. There is a grace in suffering. You say it. Uh, I missed it. Was I, I? Did I miss that? Can you help us here? So I'm going to try to do that. Would that be all right? All right. Please look at verse seven. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers, partakers with me, of grace. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. What did Paul mean by that? What do you think he means when you say, you are partakers with me of grace? You're very quiet. One of the uh, videos that my, my wife and I watch is one called um, Our Mutual Friend, you know, and there's these two guys in this funny place, and they have kind of a fire going, and this place is the guy's business, and it's got a, kind of a rustic teapot there, you know, this is English, and so, you know, he has got a cozy around it, and he says to his friend, would you partake? And here's this cup and this cup, you know, is pouring the tea out. Partake. Partake. Part of partake is the word part, right? So he's, this word is actually built on the word shared experience, having things in common. So we have one pot of tea. You have a cup. I have a cup. Will you partake? One time a guy asked me in the village, you know, why, why are you doing this? You know, I said, you know, man, why am I doing this? Uh, don't you realize that we are part, I want to just park on that a little bit, part of something really great here. The gospel giving, being given to the nations. We are part of the greatest endeavor ever in the history of of the world. And I want to say that you and I sometimes forget that we're part of something really, really great. Amen? And Paul reminds them of this. You are partakers with me of grace. He pointing them back to the unfathomable goodness and riches of Christ. Grace. How many of you are glad you're partakers together with others in Christ, in grace? Comma. Wait a minute, you slipping something in here? Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, Paul realized that these guys, these Christians in Philippi were saying uh, action by word Paul we are standing with you in prayer even if you're in prison you say well big deal I think back in that culture it was a big deal it was a big deal say well that's uh, you're not really resting this on too many verses here Just turn over to verse 28. Oh, I'll start with 27. Now listen to the tone of what he's saying. Because this is the part where God the Holy Spirit wants to help us here, not in Philippi, but in post-falls, okay? This is really good. So listen up. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. So whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened at anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also to. What, does it really say that? What's really surprising is this word granted is kind of a good translation. But this word, in the middle of this word, is built on a root. And the word root that this word is built on is Grace. You have been graced by Christ not only to believe in him. It's a favor. It's help. It's a joy. It's a present. It's a gift. You get to believe in him. Good. And to suffer for his name. Not good. What? What are you saying? Are you saying that suffering is a gift? What's your... You have... Been granted, it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not, not only believe it. in Him but to suffer for His sake. So, why are you laboring on this subject? We, for some reason, in the course of history, ha- are living in a place where it doesn't seem like you and I get much suffering, right? Right? Not much. Why is it important? What would we be missing if these pages were ripped out of the Bible? What is distinctive about the teaching here that we really, really need? One thing you can find out a lot about, and you hear it, you've already heard it in the verses, Paul knows what it's going to take. It's going to take to stand against the opposition and the conflict in this world against Christ and the gospel, it's gonna take a solidarity with people that will say, we are standing with you, brother or sister, in Christ in whatever you're going through, imprisonment or in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You know, as a culture, we're very individualistic. We don't do very much Tight, bound in solidarity. But this is what he's talking about. There's something in the gospel, in Christ, in grace, that is enhanced even by the difficulties and adversity that comes along. Amen? And that we learn to know him sometimes through this type of identification with him and suffering. You'd say, well, I'm not sure about that. I'm looking into your faces here. Remember, picture a lump of coal in your hand. Right? You can burn it. That's cool. But I'm told that under enough pressure, what does it become? A diamond. Does God know that? Mm. He invented it, I think. And so I am I'm saying that nobody goes out looking for suffering. But to receive it when it comes as a gift of grace, that's the work of God the Holy Spirit. You say, well, okay, give it, can you please give us an example? I'm going to try, okay? I haven't gone through what Paul has gone through. I can't produce any list like that. But I have a son named Bruce. Bruce has is a very interesting learning style. It's not like any of our learning styles at all. But he's pretty brilliant. He has a f- friend in the village that he grew up with just side by side. They played together all the time. And his friend's name was Abusi. So one time they're out there, and oh, Abusi learned pidgin English, so he talks a lot in pidgin to Bruce. And they were digging around, and they were, uh, got hungry. And so they dug up some old garden somewhere, and they got a sweet potato or a taro or a yam, I don't know what it was, and, uh, and obviously made a little fire, cleans it off, and cooks this yam or whatever, and it smells really good, and he dusts it all off, the ashes off of it, and he gives it to Bruce. He says, put it up on high, it's delicious, eat it. And it smells really good, and, and Bruce is there, and he breaks it open, and... And he wants to share it, and, and obviously he says, no, no, God, you guys can't buy me full pull-up, which is pitching for, you eat and I'll get full. You say, what's that got to do with suffering? Hmm, now he's hungry, right? And he's happy, because Bruce, Paul's in prison. They're not. But he said, you know, this is great. What's happened to me has really advanced the gospel. More of the brothers around here, they're more bold to speak the word of truth because I'm in the clink. Great. That's the way we think, right? How did God give him the grace to see that everything is not the way it looks sometimes? Hmm? Have you ever noticed that sometimes you don't have the most fun when you're looking for fun? Sometimes it's the worst situation that you get some joy because this book is bracketed by the word joy and rejoice. (laughs) A good deal. And yet Paul's writing from prison. And you know, there's a lot of things that have happened But I want to say that participating, sharing, like we said last week, the fellowship of suffering that we pulled out of the third chapter is really real. There is a fellowship. There's something to be learned, not just in Disneyland, but in the reality of life, which is not very much like Disneyland. Have you noticed that? I wanna give you one example. Many of you know that on one of our trips back we knew that this was going to be tough because my good, good friend and co-translator, one of the best guys, only guys left on the team was Oliver, whose real name is Yorepeh, and Oliver had died unexpectedly of some kind of problem down in his feet, went to the hospital, he died there in Kujap Hospital, he died of whatever he had. It was an awful time. So Bruce and I are on the airplane and we finally get back uh, to Ucrump and then fly in on a, a Kodiak, the ones that are made up there at Sandpoint. And we land in the village and you can tell when you land in the village on a little airstrip that's only 560 meters long. You know already, okay, there's something going on here that I don't understand, there's some kind of tension in the air, there's some kind of conflict. And so there was. And so we thought, oh great, Oliver has died, what is the devil gonna do with this, you know? Why is one of the greatest workers in the whole church, in the whole village, in the whole area, allowed to die in this place, in this awful way? So we're going down the ridge, you know, we make it down, lots of people around us. And I think, okay, something's up, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this. Sometimes your spirit tells you, okay, be alert here because <laughs> something's going on. So they have buried Oliver in the grave, just off the trail, not two meters off the trail. And they're kind of out in front of his house And uh, they haven't built much of a shelter over it yet, which is what they do. And all these loved ones are in deep mourning. They know how to mourn. We mourn very differently, apparently, in the West. But they are very loud when they mourn. And Oliver's wife, her name really is Hadiso, but we call her. Diana, Hamma, because, you know she's the mother of Diana, their daughter. She is covered with red mud in her hair, her body, which is mourning, the way that one of the things they do in mourning. And she's down, and she's mourning uh, volume ten. And uh, I, everybody's looking at me, and I so I don't know what to do. You know, I kind of know a little bit what to do, but I get there. And so I get down on my hands and knees next to her to kind of uh, get down on her level. And she reached back with her arm, and she put it around me, mud all over her and all over me, and pulled me right down into the mud. Why did she do that? She knew that Oliver was my dear, dear friend, and she knew that I was just a dumb white man that didn't know what to do, so she kind of helped me. May I say that sometimes in the walk of a Christian, we're in a world that is really in a mess, a world that is on its way to eternal death without Christ. Is that true? And sometimes in this life of ours, we kind of forget what to do. We forget that we're supposed to weep with those who weep as well as rejoice with those who do rejoice. And God, the Holy Spirit, seems to reach out his hand, pick us up and go, the suffering, by the way, is down here. You know, they drive to Jesus because he was eating with publicans and sinners. Remember that? Remember his come back to them? What'd he say? It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And We must not isolate ourselves from all of the mud and all of the, pardon my English, crap of this world when the only solution is Christ. We have to get down there. Amen? Where are you getting that? Not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. You'd say, well, what does that mean? being identified with Christ not only the joys of heaven the freedom from bondage the cleansing from sin but we are also citizens of this particular planet and there's a lot of people who are right down there in the mud and we have to identify with them and share Christ with them Amen suffering for his sake is said right here to be a grant, it's a gift. And I will repeat what I said. When it says partake, you're partaking with me of grace, Paul says. He's aware that they were standing with him in Christ. And I, one time this really got to me. I remember I was out, I had to be on the village one time by myself. Carol with the other kids were back at Ucarumpa. And Wendy, my daughter, Gave me a little present. She said, don't, have, oh, don't open that until you get to the village. I felt it. I felt the weight. I said, Hmm, the, the sheep, and, and it looks pretty good, you know. And I get to the village and I open it up, and it's a Cadbury's chocolate bar. <laughs> and it has a note in it. And a note is from my daughter, Wendy. And she said, Dad, at times like this, you might need. Cadbury's, but also, Dad, I want you to know, I am, I'm standing with you in Christ in prayer. This is what Paul wants of these people. I want you to be all in. This is a team sport. Amen? Father in heaven, we we ask for insight into what these words mean for us in this sad, sad world. Give us joy and rejoicing. Give us a willingness, Lord, to weep with those that weep and suffer with those that suffer. For your namesake, we ask for that. In Jesus' name, amen.